0: Acts chapter 8. And I'm going to read the first eight verses there as we get started this morning and pray over that as we get into the Word today. So Acts 8 and verse 1 it said, Saul agreed with putting him to death. On that day a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, dragging off men and women and put them in prison. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said. As they listened and saw the signs he was performing for unclean spirits, not the number four, but because unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Father, as we receive your word today, cleanse our hearts and our hands so that we can approach the hill of the Lord. Open our eyes to the wonders of your Word And Father, as we read about the church, that we'll know we we know that we are a part of the continuation of what we're reading about of the power and might and demonstration of your spirit and your presence here on this earth. We love you and thank you in Jesus name. Amen. So it's so good to be back in action. We took a break in December for Advent in January was like to cover some foundational things, had some great uh, stuff like. I have uh, Pastor Alvin in from Honduras, Missions uh, Sunday. But back in Acts, I feel like we need to give a recap. You know how they do on TV shows, or now we stream them. But when we were watching them on TV, it may be a whole week since we saw the show the last time, or several weeks. And so it will give a recap at the beginning. You skip through it on your your TV now because you're watching about the third episode in a row, probably. (laughs) But we'd have to do that. The first one I remember doing that, I watched Lost about 20 years ago. I think it's been that long when it came on. And every week it would come on with previously on Lost. And it would remind you what had been happening to show you what was about to happen and how it fit into the story. So in the book of Acts, Jesus has risen from the dead. And before he ascends to heaven, he spends 40 days with his disciples speaking to them about the kingdom. Right. And then he ascends to heaven to the right hand of the Father Almighty and his disciples, according to his instructions, stay in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes upon them. When he said, you'll receive power when the Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You'll tell people about me, who I am and what I've done. You'll tell people about me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, the area around Jerusalem, the villages and everything, and in Samaria And then into the uttermost parts of the earth. And then he ascends to heaven. And the disciples in obedience go back to Jerusalem. The spirit falls, lights a fire under the church. They're filled with boldness and they begin to proclaim the gospel. What? That Jesus is the Messiah. That he came, that he died on the cross to cleanse us of our sins. And for all that would repent and believe on him and receive him as a son of God they would he they would receive from him the right to be children of God and we see the gospel going forth and and, and signs and wonders testifying to the truth of the gospel and then just like always when the gospel begins to go forth there's two responses either repentance or Resistance, And so we see opposition begin to rise. And some of them are thrown in prison, but they get out and they keep going. And they pray to God for more boldness because they know they're going to be persecuted even a little bit more. And they continue on and the gospel goes even further and more signs and wonders. And then there's more opposition. And, and one of the detailed stories that we see as we went through the book of Acts was when there was a problem with the distribution to the widows. And the apostles said, well, it's gotten to be too much for us to do. Let, let's get some uh, godly men who have been in the church and who have been committed and, and who have character that has been demonstrated in their life and we're going to make them a part of this distribution to help take care of the body. And remember they elected seven guys that fit that description. One of them's name was Stephen. and say he was filled with the Holy Spirit and power. And then he's out preaching. He's out uh, sharing the gospel. And then there arose against him some pretty heavy opposition in the Freedmen's synagogue, which we talked about just a little bit uh, Wednesday night. And he's accused of blasphemy, wrongfully accused. They lied on him, accused of blasphemy, he says he's, he speaks blasphemy against God and Moses. He says that Jesus is going to destroy the law and the temple. And Stephen preaches and preaches just a beautiful sermon telling them why that's not true, but how God's word is true and how he told about all this was going to happen. And they they become so enraged that they kill him. He becomes the first martyr of the Christian faith. He was killed for his faith. That word martyr means witness witness. And he was killed for his faith. And when we, 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 we finished that, that was the last time we were in the book of Acts. It was kind of like one of those moments on the TV show where you have the season finale and something really big happens at the end. And it just then it just stops. Then there's just credits because Stephen has been stoned to death. And at the end of that, we, we see the coats of all the witnesses being laid at the feet of a young man named Saul and then cuts to. Credits. So that's where we're going to pick up this week is right back there, right in the middle of the action, uh, right after or right in the middle of the stoning and the murder of Stephen. That's where we are in Acts 8, 1 through 3. Listen, this is such a powerful and rich account here. Uh, I'm just thrilled to get to walk through it with you. We pick back up right at the stone in the murder of Stephen. And again, it zooms in on this young man named Saul. It says the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And in one it says Saul agreed with putting him to death. Now, remember, when it's talking about these witnesses, it said, and we talked about it Wednesday night, last Wednesday night, when we had Bible study two weeks ago, in chapter 6, when opposition arose against Stephen, they couldn't argue him down because he was full of the Holy Spirit, full of truth. They couldn't argue the points he was making about Jesus being the Messiah. So to go at him, they decided to persuade some to lie on him. And then even produced witnesses that would say, yes, he, he blasphemed the name of God. He blasphemed the temple. He blasphemed the law. They present these witnesses that do that. Now one of the parts of the law... That, that I thought was really neat, it didn't work here, but it was really neat, is if you were a witness in one of these cases against someone that capital punishment was gonna be uh, meted out. I mean, somebody's going to die as punishment for what they did, they required the witnesses to be the ones to pick up the rocks. They required the witnesses to be the ones to pick up the rocks, thinking this will deter people from lying if they've gotta be the one to pick up the rocks and chuck them, right? Remember when Jesus had the woman thrown in his feet? Kelly brought it up last week. He said, "All right, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone," because they, they, they came as witnesses. We saw this. We caught them in the act. Let's let's stone them. And so these witnesses weren't deterred by that, but they turned from liars into murderers, and they laid down their coats at the feet of Saul, so they could you know couldn't really move around very well with that outer coat on. And it says that. Saul agreed with putting him to death, that he was unmoved and not sorry. Now, something we notice here before we move on is that when we label someone our enemy, because that's what they had done with Stephen. They labeled him their enemy. And so because they had labeled him as such, they self-justified all their actions against him. We believe that he's wrong and what he's doing's wrong. So we got to get rid of him. Uh, n- n- no holds barred. All methods on the table. Any means necessary. We've got to get rid of him. And so they justified lying on him. And these are supposed to be believers. These are supposed to be people that are in uh, order with the God of the, o- of the Old Testament. But they said, I'm against you, and so it's going to justify everything that I'm going to do against you, the wrath and the vengeance that I want to see poured out on you because I am against you. Why? Because in their mind, well, he deserves it. He's bad. He deserves it. He's a problem. And we see it here and we can see it in the world today. They said, You're a blasphemer. He said, No, I'm not. See, here's the truth. They said, Yes, you are. You're a blasphemer. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You want to destroy the law and the temple? No, I don't. Look, I will tell you about it. And then they they kept on and pushed forward. And look, what did Stephen do? His last words, what what were they? Don't hold this sin against him. Don't hold this sin against them. So when he's actually had wrong committed against him, what has he chosen to do? Forgive, right? That's just a setup. This is where we are today in the passage. Saul agreed with putting him to death. Again, unmoved and not sorry. Now we'll talk about it when we get to this passage on on Wednesday in our Bible study. Is Did he know? Did Saul know? Or did he just buy the lie that was being told? I thought that was interesting. That's Wednesday. And it says he... Stephen and Stone, Saul agreed with it. And also in verse 1, on that day, beginning that day, severe persecution broke out against the church. Severe persecution broke out against the church, the ecclesia, the gathering of the saints in Christ. And they were scattered. They were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria, all except the apostles who remained in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Maybe they were insulated. Maybe they had enough credit that they uh, didn't go after them. Maybe it was because Stephen was part of the Hellenistic group, uh, the Greek speaking Jews. They were still there. The apostles, the 12, but everybody else, they said, we got to get out. It's it's too hot here. We got to leave Jerusalem. And we'll get more on that in a minute. But we see a contrast here between verse two and verse three. It says, devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. This reminds me of the ones that buried Jesus, right? I'm sure great uh, attention is being paid to, hey, who are his friends? How many people would have been scared to go up and claim his body to be associated with the one that had just got stoned? But there were some devout people who said, no, this, he, his, his body needs to be laid to rest in a way that's going to be honorable and right. And we see that, and then we see in verse 3 a contrast to somebody who's supposed to be devout but isn't. It says, Saul, however, again, perfect contrast to verse two, was ravaging the church, ravaging the church. That word ravaging is an animal ripping meat off the bone, ravaging the church Enter house after house, dragging off men and women. That's thrown in there to show you how intense this was. He's breaking families apart. He's going into houses and dragging people out in front of their kids and throwing them in prison. Just villainous. And why? Because he has told himself they are the enemy and they must be destroyed at any cost. Look at what we can do to one another when we label each other that way. Look what we can justify in our hearts and in our minds, our actions, when we treat one another that way. He's one that knows the law and knows how he's supposed to act. And he is breaking all the way out of it. When he marked them as enemies, he saw fit to treat them that kind of way. He'd been restrained by the law, but once this became acceptable, look what he was capable of. Look at all the evil that he was capable of. We're meant to see Saul really clearly right here in this passage. and we we'll are get to see a lot more of him next week. Great little plot twist. Y'all know it, most of you. But we're supposed to see right here clearly who he is and what he's doing. He was ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragging people out and putting them in prison. And then verse four, Philip, one of the seven who was right there with Stephen, right? They've been working together, brothers in Christ, knew each other really well. He packs his bag and he heads off to Samaria after seeing or at least hearing about what had happened to his brother in Christ. Remember, the persecution scattered people. They're like, we're not going to stay here. We're going to move out. It scattered them, but it didn't quench the fire in their heart or the gospel that they were teaching. They went out, but they were still declaring the gospel because they still had a passion for the kingdom of God. That's the interesting part about persecution against the church. It doesn't stop the church from moving forward. All it does, that difficulty forces us to hold even tighter to the faith that we have in Christ and the hope that we have in Christ. And so out of the abundance of their heart, their mouths were speaking and continuing to declare the good news, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ into all the areas that they went into. And it makes us mindful of what Jesus said when He said you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the earth. Up until this point, they had mainly been concentrated in Jerusalem. The persecution pushed them out of the city and they maintained their witness. So Philip goes to Samaria and we know Samaria, but we'll give a quick history there. It was out on the outskirts. In Samaria, a long time before this... Again, it's out there on the outskirts of it, right up next to the pagan lands. There was a time where the pagans moved in so close that they became a part of the community, intermarried with the people. And so they were a mixture of Jews married in with pagans, land, the, the, the Canaanites. And so because of that, they were viewed as half-breeds by the nation of Israel, by the pure-blooded Jews. And they were kept at arm's length. There was a huge divide there between the two people. Again, the Jews looked down upon them. The Samaritans obviously didn't like that. And so there was an enmity there between them. And understand, this was a lot more than just rival football teams, okay? It was a lot more than just that. We don't like them because they're real close and we we play each other. It wasn't like that. It was so, so much more because it went to the depth of identity. There was an enmity there. But Philip goes to Samaria And is preaching the good news of Jesus. Now this wasn't the first time they they had heard of Jesus. We could go to John 4 when he met the woman at the well and told her all about herself. And she went back to the city and told people, you got to come meet this man. And they came out and they believed what he said. And so they have heard of Jesus. Some of them have met him face to face. And so Philip comes in and he says, hey, let me tell you all what happened after that. You're not going to But Y'all met him. Y'all had all this. Y'all had a great experience with him. Let me tell you what happened after that. This is so much bigger than anything that you could imagine. And in verse six through eight, the, the crowds are paying attention. They're listening. Signs and wonders are being performed. Unclean spirits are coming out. Lame people are getting up and walking and not being lame anymore. It's really similar to what happened when the spirit fell in Jerusalem. You're supposed to see that similarity here amongst the people of Samaria compared to the people in Jerusalem. And it says, there was great joy in that city. So that's a summary, right? It's a little summary of what happened when Philip went to Samaria. And then we know in the book of Acts, in summary, just like in our Christian life, in summary, sounds amazing. And in detail, you can get a little gritty. And next comes a little bit of that gritty detail comes a little bit of that gritty detail in verse 9. Let me read that. 9 through 13. A man named Simon had previously practiced sorcery in that city and amazed the Samaritan people while claiming to be somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least of them to the greatest. And they said, this man is called the great power of God or the great power from God. They were attentive to him because he amazed them with his sorceries over a long period of time. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Even Simon himself believed. And after he was baptized, he followed Philip everywhere and was amazed as he observed the signs and great miracles that were being performed. So, again, we get down into the detail of this one man's life who had been a sorcerer, a magician, amazing the people while claiming to be somebody great. Isn't it weird about us that we want to see something great? We just want to see something great. Show me something great. Most of the time when you open up your device or when when you open up an app on your phone, you say, show me something great. Show me that the weather's going to be good. Show me a picture of somebody's baby. Show me a picture of what somebody ate for supper yesterday. Show me something great. I just want to see something great. We have an appetite for greatness, or another word would be glory. We want to see something glorious. And Simon has been standing in that position in the lives of these Samaritan people. They just want to see something great. They just want to see something great. And so he's stepping in and he says, I'll, I'll, I'll be. That see, because people will take advantage of our desire to see something great. They thought that they were following God, but they were just following this man named Simon. I'll have a lot of time to go into that. We we'll may cover that on Wednesday night. But they're swept up, and even said, "This man is from God." Was he? Doesn't look like it. But they thought that he was. Then in verse twelve. When they believed Philip, as he proclaimed about the kingdom and its king, Jesus, the Messiah, men and women are baptized. And notice when they listened to Philip, they didn't exalt Philip. They exalted Jesus. They exalted Jesus. And then even Simon believes, verse 13, even Simon believes. Amen, right? Amen. Simon's been converted. Maybe. We'll see. He, he signs and wonders. Signs and wonders we're following the message, testifying of the message. Again, people want to see something great. They want to see something glorious. And look at the difference here between Simon's what you want to call it ministry and the ministry of the kingdom that Philip brought to Samaria with him as he came. So Simon is following Philip. This language here means he's staying close to him. Anywhere Philip goes, Simon's going. Anything he's doing, I want to see what he's doing. I I want to get along in behind of this. Verse 14. This, This movement in Samaria is starting to build. It says, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem, remember they stayed there, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. After they went down there, they prayed for them so the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit because he had not come, he had not yet come down on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Spirit. So Samaria is receiving the gospel. It's going forth. All of this is happening. It's continuing. And and again, we'll we'll get into this passage a whole lot when we get to it on uh, Wednesday night. But you can see uh, the Samaritans received were received by the church in Jerusalem when the apostles came, when Peter and John came. And, and that was also verified by the Spirit, What that, that these are at the same level. They, they, these aren't a people separate. These aren't a people lesser. These are people on the same level as those who had received the, the gospel and the Spirit in Jerusalem, which is huge. And We'll get more in that here in a minute. But in that, th- th- again, that's great. That's summary, right? We'll get into a little bit more detail. Verse 18 and 19. When Simon, he's the magician, the sorcerer, he's been following along behind Philip. When he saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also, so that anyone I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. See, he's been following, but he hadn't been learning He's been around, but he ain't picked up what he's supposed to pick up yet. It goes back to his background in sorcery and in magic, which is what manipulation of either the elements and or people. That's what the, the word literally translates into the ability to manipulate. Again, either the elements and or people control. See, the gospel and the spirit set people free. Simon saw it as a means to control people. If I can be the one who gets to give out this, you know, it doesn't tell us exactly what the manifestation was when the spirit falls. But it's something like I want to be able to do that to people. I want to be able to be the one who who's able to put their hands on people and see that type of response. Now, how do we know that it wasn't a holy request? Peter's response pretty much lets us know that it wasn't a holy request. Look at what Peter said. In verse 20, Peter told him right after he said, what, I'll give you money. You give me this ability. Peter told him, may your silver be destroyed with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this matter because your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, your heart's intent may be forgiven. For I see you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by wickedness. He told it like it was, didn't he? Man, see, because if I can buy it, I'm in control of it. It's not a it's not a gift from God. It's the difference here. Simon said, I want to buy that from you. This is a product. This is a commodity. Peter said, you thought you could buy this gift with money. See, you used a different word. They said, this isn't a commodity. This is a gift from God. See, the church has a tendency to be prostituted out when somebody shows up with money. Buying fellowship, buying support, turning it into that same Simon idea of control. Okay. Peter said, you've got no part in this. Your heart is wrong. You're poisoned by bitterness. You're bound by wickedness. And look here, I love the gospel. Therefore, what? Repent. Repent. He, he, he just spent two sentences telling him how awful he was. He's like, you're awful. That's like the worst thing I've ever heard anybody say. Repent. and Let Jesus fix your heart. That's the gospel. You're awful. Repent and get a new heart. Your heart's bound up in bitterness. Come to Jesus and get free. He doesn't leave him off as a lost cause. He just says, I I hope you'll repent. I hope that you'll turn from this. I love the gospel. And the ending there is a little ambiguous for Simon. Verse 24, he says, pray to the Lord for me, Simon replied, so that nothing you've said may happen to me. I don't know if that sounds like I don't know. He said, you go to God. You go to God and tell him that not to kill me, not to do that stuff you just said. Will you go tell him you put in a good word for me? I don't know if he's there yet. I don't know if he's repentant. I don't know if he's repentant there. There's been a lot of discussion that's not for us to decide, other than it, it's a little ambiguous for him. So I tell you, there's a lot happening in this episode in the book of Acts. Saul, when we started with him, he, he, he is one of the maybe 1% of people who just in himself naturally has enough willpower to follow all the rules as he sees them. Okay? He, he even said it later, I followed all of them. If you, tried to, if you tried to come at me on any of these laws, I was blameless in it. I was blameless in it. I followed all of them. But we can see and look, it didn't help him in the end. It didn't help him in the end. He, be, he became a persecutor. He became a participant in murder. He swallowed a lie that this man, this man, Jesus, and all those who believed on him were the enemy. And he was was able in his own mind to justify breaking the law that he said that he loved to try to protect it. And he was able to justify that in his own heart. In his mind, he's like, I'll either destroy them or or I will convert them at the tip of the spear by a spirit of fear. I will make them so afraid that they will stop following Jesus. That's where Saul's at. From a law keeper to a law breaker, it wasn't enough to transform his heart. Then you got Simon, he's a sorcerer, he's a manipulator. He is leading the people, that said from the least to the greatest, from the guy who lived on the street to the mayor of the town, if they had one, the least to the greatest are following this man. Thought himself to be somebody great. He believed his own press clippings or his own Facebook post and press clippings might be an old reference. Why? Because people were looking for something great to follow. They wanted to see something glorious. There's that hunger on the inside of us for glory. We just want to see it. We just want to be close to it. We want to be a part of it. And people take advantage of that. Simon took advantage of it. They thought they had found it in him, and he thought that godliness was a means of gain. He was finding his validation in all of his fans, all his adoring fans. And I I believe he saw the power that a power of the kingdom that was flowing through Philip. I'm going to do real good if I don't mix up Philip and Simon. For some reason, they just keep blending together in my head. He saw the kingdom power flowing through Philip. He's like, hey, game recognized game. This dude's got it going on. I want to be. I got to figure out how he's doing these things. I got to figure out how he is getting this done. He's joining up. And then when the when Peter and John came, he said, I'll pay you for this power. See, I don't believe he wanted to see people set free. I believe he wanted to see people under his control. And that's not any better. He wanted control of the gift. We can't control the gift. So you see here, two kingdoms at work. Two kingdoms are at work, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. Saul and Simon still entangled in the world. And so, one thing we need to do is search our hearts for the attitudes that we find in these two men and say, see if there be any way like that in me. Because we have a tendency towards it. We have a tendency to be like Saul. We have a tendency to be like Simon. It's in us just like it was in them. So, we want to search our hearts and find that. And then we want to look at the story of Philip and just be, by God, encouraged. Because this is a man who just saw his friend murdered. At the hands of those who said they were doing the right thing. Just saw his friend killed at the hands of these people. And then I imagine. Okay, so this is the Bible. This is me stepping back from it. This is me imagining what that looks like for Philip. He's packing his bag. He's packing his bag. Friend comes in, sees him packing his bag. What you doing? Packing my bag. Got to get out of town. Yeah, I know it's getting getting real hot. And yeah, this whole, this whole Jesus thing may not be, you know, all all that it's cracked up to be. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm leaving, but Jesus is still going with me. I'm not done following him. I'm just about to do it somewhere else because they're stoning people here. And I don't know if you heard, but Jesus said that we would be his witnesses in Jerusalem where I'm trying to leave in Judea in Samaria. He said, so I'm going to go To Samaria. Friend gonna say, Samaria? You going not go to Samaria? Like you've been living in Jerusalem. You, I mean, you, you, like that's the, that's where the half breeds live. You know, we don't even like them. He's like, well, listen, I was around John and he told me a story about Jesus when he went to Samaria. And he met with this woman. Let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about it. And also before he was taken up, he told us to go there. And every time I think about it, my heart just burns, and I want to go. I want to go. Persecution caused the gospel to proliferate. Again, the enemy's trying to destroy it; it just makes it go out further. Cannot be stopped. They can. Dest- they could destroy a temple, but they couldn't destroy all of them. And the persecution just caused the believers to hold more steadfast to the faith that they had found in Jesus Christ. And they took it out of the city with them. And so Philip gets to Samaria and he starts to preach. He starts to preach. He's like, y'all remember you, some of you met Jesus. Some of you just heard about him. Let me tell you what happened after he was here. Oh, man, you won't believe what's happened so far. He he, he died on the cross, but he rose again. We all saw him and he was just walking around for 40 days. And then he he went up into the sky, he went up to heaven. And here's what he told us to do. And then the spirit fell. And when the spirit fell, those that had been afraid got up and preached the name of Jesus. They had been running just a few weeks before from the leaders because of the name of Jesus. They had denied Jesus and one who had denied him three times got up and preached the best sermon you've ever heard. And 3000 people believed. And he'll do the same thing for you. Come, repent and be baptized. He's baptizing people and they're believing on Jesus. And this work is continuing and it's growing so much so that the word gets back to Jerusalem. And they send two apostles. Now, they just don't send two of the ones whose names you don't remember. They sent Peter and John. Peter and John come down the road, make the day's journey to Samaria. Not just to see what's going on, not not just to stop it, but to come and receive them into the fellowship. And I can just picture Philip when they when they show up and they start greeting people, starting to talk to him like, hey, you remember I told you somebody was preaching and three thousand people believed on Jesus. That's him. That's him. What's he here for? I think he's here to love on y'all. I think he's here to love on y'all. And it said that the spirit hadn't yet fell. Look when the spirit fell. When those two apostles that came from Jerusalem, again, the place we're used to, we didn't cross paths. We didn't spend time together. We didn't talk to each other. We had hatred in our heart for each other. And two came from there and they put their hands on them. And I don't just think it was, you know, just prayer going down like this. When It says put your hands on somebody. It's the same language that they use when they would snatch somebody up. I mean, I see them just grabbing them. Bear hugging them. So what I see, and then the spirit falls at the same time. So you have the apostles receiving them and the spirit validating it that these two groups are the same church. They're the same body. And the divisions that had been in place for generations start to disintegrate and fall to the ground because of the gospel. Because of the gospel. This is what Jesus prophesied over them when he said, you are going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. The ends of the earth. I want you to look at this last verse, last verse we'll cover today. Verse 25. And again, they they've laid hands on the folks there in Samaria they brought them in close. The spirit's fallen. it's just a beautiful scene. And then in verse 25, after you deal with the stuff with Simon, because, again, there's some grittiness in, in in this in this walk, in this life. We just got it. We're going to have to deal with it. But in verse 25. So after they had testified to Peter and John, after they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they traveled back to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. They took the long way home and they went through the different villages to proclaim the goodness of Christ and the union that the Samaritans would find, not only with Christ through who he is and what he's done, but the union that they would find with the Jews. That out of that, the separation is fallen and we're going to take the long way home and spend time loving on these folks from Samaria. Spend time loving on our brothers and sisters that we've let society keep far away from us. That we've let put divisions in there where we didn't spend time together. They went, they took the long way home. And it reminded me of when Jesus told them the parable of what we call the good Samaritan. Or the man who was a neighbor. They said, we, man, they, they were loved. Well, you know they love God. And out of it, they were loving their neighbor as herself. Who was their neighbor? The people right in front of them. The people that needed help. The people that needed to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I told you this one is rich today. It's a great episode to start off the new season with, I feel like. And again, if you, if, if, if you hear some of that and the Lord's just stirring your heart, it may be to love on your community. And again, there is opportunity there. There's al- already a framework for it to show you that it's simple to do. I e- almost said easy. It's not easy to do. But it's really more simple than we normally estimate it to be. To go out like Philip and just love on people and tell them how good Jesus is. And to show them something great in him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can look into it and it can look into us. Lord, that it can cut us to the division of our our bone and marrow, soul and spirit. It, It can cut down deep. Lord, and show us what's there. Lord, we have in our heart an appetite to see something great, to see something glorious. Remind us today that we find that fulfilled only in you. Everything else is a shadow. Everything else is just a ripple that comes off of you. And Father, that we won't be drawn away by those that would try to use that, and manipulate that for their own good and their own gain. But we look to you. And Lord, I thank you for the testimony of the gospel that we see here in your word, that even under persecution, the gospel spread. And we see men like Philip go out and take the message of the kingdom into all the earth and we see the response and we see that there was great joy in the city. God, thank you that there'll be great joy in our city. There'll be great joy in our city as your gospel continues to go forth and lives are being changed and being transformed and being discipled into followers of Jesus Christ. I thank you for that goodness. Lord, I thank you that you, you show us how we can just as easily be a part of that. We can be a part of it. It's just that simple that we can be like Philip, taking the light of the gospel here into the surrounding villages and Lord, even into the uttermost parts of the earth. Search our hearts, find those Saul tendencies, those Simon tendencies and help us to eradicate them in the name of Jesus, to eliminate them by your grace to be united with Christ and in that union be able to see that anybody can be united with him if they'll just believe. And when they do, that they walk with us shoulder to shoulder as our brother and our sister in Christ, regardless of where they come from, what they come out of. Lord, you bring them into the fellowship and we welcome them with open arms just like the apostles did. Thank you so much. Lord, as we get ready to go, bless us as we go in unity with each other. Lord, I pray for those that aren't able to be here with us this morning, sick or weak in their body. I pray for healing upon them in Jesus' name. Lord, that they will rise up from that bed of affliction and strength. That the Holy Spirit on the inside of them will rise up strong within them now and defend that earthly tent. And I thank you, Lord, that the joy of knowing you as Lord gives us strength. Lord, as we go into this week, we do so with you in mind. We know we'll face some opposition and different things. We know we'll have some things to resist, but we also have some things to push for. And I thank you that we'll know the difference. I thank you that you give us strength and peace and wisdom and favor as we walk this walk this week. That you're always with us. You never leave us and you never forsake us. And that you've given us power to be your witnesses here in this place. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.